Good evening, everyone. What in God's name is that? Uh, that is our new Christmas tree. I got it at Lady Foot Locker. Do you like it? No, I don't, Amy. I find it revolting. <sighs> what is this thing doing in your house? I don't know. I, I didn't want to waste time tree shopping this year. I actually wanted to enjoy Christmas. Amy, you are a mom. Moms don't end joy, they give joy. That's how being a mom works. And this hideous tree does not give joy to anybody. I don't know, I, I kind of like it. Thank you. Yeah. Who are you and why are you talking? Mom, please be nice, this is Jesse, you met him. I'm tired of this conversation, but if you think for one second I'm gonna let your lazy shenanigans ruin Christmas for this entire family, you are very much mistaken. Good night, dear children. Here, have some iTunes gift cards. Mom, seriously? Oh my gosh. You have to stop awesome. giving them gifts. Thanks, Grandma. Honey, did you see these ornaments? They're all little shoes. I swear to God, Hank, I will drive you to a fire station and I will leave you there. The scotch on the rocks. Please, any scotch will do. As long as it's not a blend, of course, uh, single malt. Blend Olivet, Blend Fittick, perhaps, maybe a Blend Gow, any blend. I'm drunk on! I'm thirsty. I want a beer. What about you? You want a beer? Just a drink. A martini. Shake and not stir. This week to celebrate the one-year anniversary of films released on November 3rd, 2017, we are doing the very Hollywood thing of celebrating Christmas as soon as Halloween passes with a film that didn't open at number one last year. That would be Thor Ragnarok, if you've heard of it. Instead, A Bad Mom's Christmas, which is a true comedy sequel formula of taking the bad moms from the original and adding a holiday to the title. Opening to $16 million, the film would go on to gross $130 million worldwide on a budget of $28 million. I find that a little surprising, just off the top, that this carries over uh, to every country, not just, uh, I don't know, Tampa, wherever Hiro was when this came out, <laughs> and he was <laughs> buying a ticket on for every showing. Um, so that was a big financial success, which probably means we're going to be getting uh, Bad Bombs Easter uh, very soon, or 4th of July, something like that. However, it did have a score of 28% on Rotten Tomatoes compared to our other film featuring, I guess, an arguably Bad Mom in Lady Bird. Uh, so A Bad Mom's Christmas, I'll, I'll toss it to you all, may actually be our forgotten film like a year later. Given the hype for a ladybird, I would probably say that's accurate. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be Josh, who uh, frequents and trolls the ladybird forums. As, uh, what was your handle on those? Is it still LL Cool Josh, or is it something like Lady Boner or something? It's uh, Greta Lady, Lady Turd. <laughs> That's right, Brody. A Greta Gerwig super fan here uh, from my dog. Immediately <laughs> disapproving of that name. This one did not open... I guess it's hard to judge. It opened to 364,000, but only on four screens. So probably two in New York, two in L.A. Greta Gerwig's solo, uh, that distinction, directorial debut, went on to gross $70 million on a $10 million budget and garnered rapturous reviews. Uh, 99%. Josh, how about them apples on Rotten Tomatoes for Lady Bird? <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be a point of discussion. <laughs> I don't know how Jerry's going to come down, but I feel like you have such a hostile intent 
for this episode and for Greta Gerwig on this show as a <laughs> damsels in distress super fan and lady part hater <laughs> that you would weigh the score down at least to a 97% by the end of this. So we'll, we'll see. Also we got a best picture nomination. So that's why I think to the general public, they may be aware of lady bird, even if they haven't seen it, I would argue it's probably got more general awareness than a bad mom's Christmas. But what about the two of you? I, I would think people would know that there was a bad mom's movie, but I don't know if they would remember that there's been two of them at this point. Yeah. I had no idea that there was a bad mom's franchise. Like, like we were saying earlier, I very, I was very well aware of Lady Bird and the ten thousand reviews I was seeing on the TV screen about how amazing and like life changing that it was of a movie. So you have a certain amount of expectations for one franchise and a certain amount of expectations for the other. I was aware of the of the Bad Moms franchise, but I, I wasn't super aware of anything about it. You know, I hadn't watched either one and. Uh, it was kind of shocking when I looked at the re- the release dates and saw that like the the second one came out like fifteen months after the the oh, they first. were on top of that yeah yeah so it was it was very uh <laughs> they, they were in there r- real quick um, Lady Bird yes I was made very aware of it you know it was uh it had the Oscar push and kind of alluding to what we were just discussing about the Rotten Tomatoes score, I think the first I was hearing about it was the bit of controversy that came over the Rotten Tomatoes scoring. Did either of you hear about that when it happened? I think I did a... Uh, I don't know if it's your controversy you're talking about. I did a, uh, a podcast with our superfan Hyro uh, called Marcus Played on Lady Bird. I don't remember if I had seen it at that point, but for a while it was at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And we were discussing that for it to be at 100% before it had reached the general public, uh, maybe to what Jared was saying, it was setting a pretty high bar and maybe some expectations that it couldn't live up to with that that uh, perfection, whatever that's worth. I know Pixar sort of toyed with getting that perfect score as well in previous movies. Yeah, uh, and the controversy I refer to, it does refer to the fact that it had a 100%. Um, I don't know the guy's name. It's not a super well-known critic but it's somebody who's registered with Rotten Tomatoes that uh, he, he gave it a favorable review, but uh, he gave it a rotten score because he said that he could not justify it being a perfect 100% movie. And that uh, <laughs> even though he thought it was a pretty good film, it didn't deserve a 100%. So he yeah, gave it a rotten. wasn't Armand White. <laughs> Basically, yeah. yeah. That, that's and, weird. I didn't know the critics, can they lean that way? Because I thought that Rotten Tomatoes whoever just decided based on the tone of the review, if there wasn't a score, what it was. Cause I've, I have seen some critics saying before that uh, their review was given a positive when most of it was negative, but they will pull one positive element out of the review and say like, Oh, that sounds like they liked it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know how that works un- unless even if maybe his whole review sound positive, if, if he boldly put at the end of it, like I give this a rotten. <laughs> <laughs> I declare bankruptcy! <laughs> Two thumbs down. Then maybe they have to abide by that. I, I, I don't know. He was all the talk on movie Twitter for a while. He was hated because of his... Which you should ignore, really. I mean, it, and that sounds weird to say three of us on a movie podcast, but I think that being on any sort of film Twitter, well, maybe just Twitter in general, is going to lessen the enjoyment you get out of things. So mm-hmm. in this case, film Twitter... 
Uh, Jared, I don't know if there's like a Chicago Bears Twitter. I'm sure it's for the most part <laughs> for the last few years just been men having heart attacks like on there, like together, <laughs> yeah, that, like that a weird Jeff fight club uh, meeting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I would just say just avoid that if possible. So that, that kind of ruins my setup there, Josh, uh, which I know that's what you're here to do. <laughs> the premise of our show, right the perceived wrong here, if there is a wrong, and argue that A Bad Mom's Christmas truly was the best picture of 2017. So before before we get to the ladybird hate from at least one member of this show, uh, let's talk about Bad Mom's Christmas. General general thoughts. First off, uh, either one of you seen the first one? I guess before you jumped into this, I have not. No, neither have I. So you no skipped, idea you, going I'm into guessing it. you all just skipped that part of the mythology. I went straight to a Bad Mom's Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Listen, listen. <laughs> I, I, I go back to the year. Let's see. I think it was about 2003. Uh, when Too Fast, Too Furious was coming out, <laughs> and I had not seen the first Fast and Furious, and I was like, Mike, Mike, let's go watch Too Fast, Too Furious. And you're like, yeah, let's do it, okay. And I was like, I gotta watch Fast and Furious first. And you treated me like some sort of damn monkey. Like, <laughs> like why you gotta watch the whole series, son? Just jump right in, this no. is stupid. Hey, to be fair... Did you really need to see the Fast and the Furious to then enjoy two Fast and Furious, which I believe, does it just have Paul Walker? There's no Vin Diesel. I don't think there's any of the other supporting characters. Yeah, but I didn't know that. <laughs> just goes you, but had, you couldn't trust me. You, you could not trust me to be like, dude, it's not really worth your time. And I'm saying that as someone that enjoyed the first Fast and Furious and probably now as an old man enjoys the idea of too fast, too furious more than the actual, more than the actual execution. I love the title. If if you had seen it, I probably would have listened to you, but you hadn't seen it yet either. So there was no way of knowing. Well, I, I just think my instincts bore out that I was like, come on, dude. I, Cause I, we were living together at the time. I remember you insisted to get up like at 9am and pop in the fast and furious DVD. And I'm like, dude, it's not, it's not star Wars. It's, it's fine. Well, my point being is you scolded me badly enough over that, <laughs> that no, I did not concern myself with bad moms. Goodness. Before 15, I watched bad 15 moms years Christmas. later, you finally apply the uh, the lessons of Too Fast, Too Furious, Too <laughs> Bad Moms right. Christmas. You know what? You're right. I, I'm one of the rare people. I saw uh, Bad Moms, which Superfan Hyro, I believe, had as his, I know it was on his top 10 for whatever year, 2016. And it may have actually been his top movie of that year. Like, you know, I was facetiously saying we're going to write the wrong yeah. and say <laughs> Bad Mom's Christmas best of 2017 just to troll Lady Bird. No, he, he was a huge fan and I wasn't. But I'll, I'll put it out there. I actually kind of enjoyed this one. Like, I felt like what he got out of Bad Moms, I liked more in Christmas. And it's merely, I think, because they add their moms to bother them. Like... Uh, the original one, just I guess to slightly spoil it, or just to spoil the premise, is that there oh, are no. these perfect moms. I'm trying yeah. to remember the actress, uh, uh, Christina Applegate. Applegate, yes. Yeah, so she yeah. has one scene in this one, right? I think. Yeah, I, yeah. I was wondering where that reference. Was, I'm okay. sure. You know, yeah. So you have like the Stepford Wives, like perfect moms who do everything, like always have like you know the baked goods, they throw the the fundraisers, all of that, that are making Mila Kunis and company feel bad for not wanting or not having the time and feeling the pressure to be the perfect mom. And I felt like, ah, eh, you know, this, this kind of leans into like, 
uh, like sort of woman on woman hate without like the mud wrestling aspect here, where it's just like so without the best part, then yes, certainly. Well, yeah, <laughs> there's the cue for the nasty Hellcat hey, sound effect. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> But my my point was, you really have to stretch to make this comedy work, because you would think that if these moms truly were like, that's a waste of time, I don't have that time, they're not going to then spend their time trolling and pranking the other moms. Because I'm like, at this point, you could just become a quote-unquote better mom. Like, you would think that you would just be indifferent. Mm. However, when you put it in the sort of setting of a holiday with like overbearing like parents and in-laws coming in, I think that... You understand it. I can, I have a buy into this one that I don't with the other one. It sounds like it's more relatable. Just yeah, having this that one, forced interaction. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's definitely delivered in a more hyperbolic fashion. But the the issues that each one has with their mother. I mean, I think somewhere in one of those relationships, most of us can kind of compare a familial issue with one of our own parents or, or something of that nature. Hold on, or, or, or Let me reference our social media. A month ago when I checked out A Bad Mom's Christmas from the library in Blu-ray, <laughs> I, now I'm on some sort of, like like seven, I'm on some sort of government system where it's like, he signs up for Netflix DVD to rent Chain Letter as his first one, and his first disc rental at this library is A Bad Mom's Christmas. I'm on some sort of thing where they're tracking me. <laughs> You're on a list. When I did the little Instagram post saying, hey, this is coming up, I tagged all of us as one of these respective bad moms. So, Jared, you said relatable. Having seen the film, you know which one I, I well, liked yeah. to your persona. And I, I think course, I, gave yes. you, I gave you the one that's probably the most reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> the one that wants to hang out with strippers and drink Ooh. and party yeah. and hates her son and re-gifts the same <laughs> gifts to her son. <laughs> so, so I want to know... If, uh, like, as Josh was saying, that it's a little bit heightened, do you think it's heightened too much, or does it maintain a sense where everyone can be like, yeah, I'm kind of like that person, or my family's kind of like that? Well, I'll say in regards to the familial uh, relationship they had with their parent, I'll make fun of myself here. My dad loved to gamble and was never around and kind of left us, you know, to okay, so our own Susan devices. Okay, so kind of character we've got <laughs> Susan here. Susan Sarandon. Yeah, I really recognize Susan Sarandon in this movie. It was, uh, yeah. I think it it was it wasn't that exaggerated. Josh, I don't remember who I tagged each one of us as because I think really Catherine Hahn's the only one that really <laughs> matters here as far as fun level. Yeah, I think you had me uh, tagged as a uh, Kristen Bell, which I guess maybe being the happy-go-lucky naive character maybe kind of made sense. But in terms of you like Veronica Mars, I just I do. That was I, probably do. My I love Veronica there. Mars. As yeah, far yeah. As it went. <laughs> yeah, that was probably as far uh, as it went. Yeah. I, without um, divulging too much perf- personal information that could especially be harmful to my health later. Come on, none of our family members listen to this. You know, that. I was more. I was more or less kind of looking at one of the characters as very, very similar to one of my in-laws. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, so it's a little I, dangerous. Yeah, yeah. I won't. So I, I, I won't reveal my full hand there, but uh, <laughs> I was definitely like, "Yep, I recognize that issue." So let me get into my biggest issue with the movie. Like, I like the relatability. I like bringing in, you know, as as a true sequel, you bring in a whole another set of, I guess, quote unquote, bad moms. And in this case, I think maybe other than Susan Sarandon, at least the other two have the best of intentions, but they're still rather 
overbearing. Sorry, Jared, I don't think Serena's character has any good intentions other than to take money, <laughs> basically, from Catherine Hahn. It's not gotten uh, to that point yet, but yeah. I, I hope it's not gotten to the point where your dad's <laughs> coming to you to take money you earn from waxing other men's genitals. I really hope that's not uh, your lot in life. Oh boy! No, not yet. I've not been driven to that yet. Dude, come on, this is an audio format. Don't don't say "oh boy" like that. <laughs> oh my God! No more pussies, please, God! No more pussies. Uh, yeah. Oh hi. Uh, are you Carla? Yeah, I am. Who are you? I'm Ty Swindell. I'm here to get my balls waxed. That's great news. Why don't you hop on my table, Ty Swindell? All right, thank you. Okay. So, uh, have you ever had your balls waxed before, Ty? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm an exotic dancer, so I have to keep my dick balls and taint smooth at all times. Great. Okay, got it. Yeah. Um. So I am just gonna remove the towel, and then we'll apply the wax. If you. Oh Jesus fucking Christ! Look at the size of that thing. This, it looks like a parking cone. I am so sorry. I forgot to tell you. know, it scares most people. No, I'm not scared, though. I just, it's, I'm going to need a lot more, just a lot more wax. Okay. So just give me one second. Sure. Wow. Okay. So who usually waxes your balls? Oh, I go to a woman in uh, Cleveland, which is where I'm from. No way. What? I'm from Edgewater. You're from Edgewater? Yeah. Okay, I'm from Tremont. Oh my God, small world. That is so weird. Like, right? Wow. Okay, um, if you could just uh, lift that penis up for me. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Oh, myself <laughs> up for that one, yeah. Um, biggest issue I have is you have these characters that you can relate to. You're going to see them kind of do battle. And they spend a great deal of their time in like music montages trash like you know the this christmas setup that mila kunis's mom played by uh, christine bransky has has set up and i think the film maybe other people get into it like it's action sequences for a comedy for me i'd rather just see those characters have dialogue with each other like tell jokes or tear each other apart i had forgotten how many times they cut to just a song playing and them just like running through the mall or them you know dancing on santa's lap and uh, it reminded me a lot, uh, I hate to bring it up, of uh, when we first started this podcast last holiday season of Office Christmas Party, where mm. I'm like, hey, it's a comedy. Let's cut to people having fun. Aren't you having fun sitting on your butt watching this? <laughs> I'm like, no, not. I was like, move it along. Tell some jokes. We get it. We get the, I think the Santa lap dance, I never thought I would say this with Catherine Hahn, goes on a bit too long and <laughs> doesn't, doesn't really go anywhere. So, Josh, I really, I expected you to not really like like this at all I, especially coming off of dan real life i thought you were gonna say okay this is a waste of time thanks a lot mike i hate you merry christmas <laughs> well it, you know it took me a little bit of time to warm up to it that early on especially like that uh opening bookend with mila kunis like sitting there on the steps and after you're getting christmas the, has been ruined yeah, yeah. you're getting the, nar- the the narration of how like i ruined christmas for my kids and they're trying to be a little absurd because the house is wrecked and a camel walks through and i'm like oh here we are we're being edgy you know we're we're <laughs> setting up insanity just for no good reason uh so i like I that i like that a camel it's like josh like oh more this edgy humor i've heard all about <laughs> these kids with camels walking across. well that's just it it's like it feels like they're trying to be edgy like look at how crazy this is right but, but it just seems forced you know yeah, it just yeah, seems I like agree. you know it, it it's it's ridiculous so anyways yeah it's not organic so 
Uh, it took me a little while to warm up to it, but I don't want to dive too much into a comparison to Lady Bird already, but even you brought up Danny in real life, you know, one of my complaints there was that this is a movie that's kind of claiming to be more relatable, more realistic than in real life, if you will. There's issues with that that don't work for me because I'm like, no, that's not how real life works. You're being still over the top. Whereas I find with movies like this, I'm perfectly fine with it because you're creating a world where everybody is essentially over the top. Everything's kind of ridiculous. And so I buy into that world. I'm like, okay, this everything's heightened here. It's like an adult comedy cartoon. Yeah. Very yeah. Exaggerated characters and right. exaggerated and setup. When you start to embrace that, then you can see the truths underneath it all. You're like, okay, I don't have it that bad. You know, that family member that I'm thinking of isn't, that crazy but i see elements of it there i know <laughs> i know the type of person that was an inspiration for this type of character and sometimes of... in comedies having that distance actually allows you to enjoy it as a comedy because if it's mm-hmm. too close to reality oh yeah th- then it's uh i don't know ordinary people or terms of endearment where it's like all right this is <laughs> this is about serious things serious people that i've gone through and this is no longer an escape so i understand that has to be somewhat escapist. Yeah, yeah. But I do think it does a disservice that I think all the the women here are. You know, I, I think Mia Kunis uh, is really good, even though she's playing maybe the more stoic sort of straight man of the, of I guess of the trio. She definitely is. Yeah. Uh, Kristen Bell, Catherine Hahn is fantastic. Uh, I think they're also funny that you know I couldn't think of comparing it to like bro comedies like the Forty Year Old Virgin or Knocked Up. The closest ones for me, but. Even though there is still quite a quite a big difference, I I would say is the the Hangover movies, yeah, um, yeah, it, it, just because it's more like that close knit group of friends who are getting into that absurd slash naughty dirty type that's, of that's, trouble. That's probably a, a better comparison because unlike the uh, the Aptal comedies, I'm like that's in an exaggerated situation. You know, it's yeah. for this bachelor party as opposed to Forty Year Old Virgin, which it's an exaggerated character, but you just see him going to work at like a circuit city or Best Buy. There's a lot yeah. of downtime, but my, my issue is I think these actresses, you, at least I do. And it sounds like you, you all do as well. Enjoy them so much. I'd rather just see sequences of them riffing on each other. Mm-hmm. Even if it's like improv. And I feel like in the more guy centric comedy, they let those comedic actors just sort of go off script and let them, you have these long sequences where they're just mm-hmm. kind of cutting up. And here I felt like they're in a big rush to get to the next sort of set piece. And I'm like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really think we need this the set pieces. I think you could just have Catherine Hahn, Mila Kunis sitting around a bar, Susan Sarandon. I think it's funny. I think those sequences, like when they're waiting for the strip show to happen, I think all that yeah. stuff is great. Just them hanging out. Yeah. I think, uh, in hindsight too, um, there wasn't really a whole lot of scenes with the three leads together because it was so much about each one's family. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more divided, showing them dealing with their personal family situation, which, I mean, that definitely works. But being a fan of them kind of riffing off of one another and kind of getting into that type of shenanigans, it would have been nicer to have had some more scenes of them getting into things on their own. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you should have started with uh, Bad Mom's Prime. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't sound like the premise would have been all that, all that great. How about you, Jared? Uh, you convinced to go back to the uh, the original, or is this enough for you? Well, Hiro's threatened bodily harm if I don't actually watch Bad Moms, so I guess I'll have to go back and watch that one. I, I, I'm sure you're really going to rush to do that with Red Dead Redemption <laughs> and <laughs> all those other activities you have lined up. Uh, it would be weird to go back and spend Christmas not watching the Christmas version of this franchise no, and watching the, the original. Give me the vanilla of Bad Moms. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, I guess there is somewhat, not only with the, as I, I said at the top, there's uh, a questionably a bad mom in Lady Bird. Although I, I would not say so. That's actually my favorite part of Lady Bird is the mother character. And mm. I, I side so much with Lori Metcalf. Stern mom. Pretty much all of her scenes. I wish I could live through something. Aren't you? Nope. The only exciting thing about 2002 is that it's a palindrome. Okay, fine. Well, yours is the worst life of all, so you win. Oh, so now you're mad. No, it's because just you're I being ridiculous to to because music. you have a great life. I'm sorry, I'm not perfect. No one's asking you to be perfect. Just consider it. Would do. I don't even want to go to school in this state anyway. I hate California. I want to go to the East Coast. Your dad and I will barely be able to afford in-state tuition. There are loans, Your brother, your very smart brother, he can't even find a job. He and Shelly work. They have they jobs. They bag at the grocery store. That is not a career, and they went to Berkeley. Your father's company is laying off people right and left. Did you even know that? No, of course you don't, because you don't think about anybody but yourself. An immaculate heart is already a luxury. Immaculate heart? You wanted that, not me. Miguel saw someone knifed in front of him at Sakai. Is that what you want? So you're telling me that you want to see somebody knifed he right in front of you. He barely right saw that. I want to go where culture is, but like how New in the York, world did I raise such or at least snob. Connecticut or New Hampshire, well, where writers live in the get woods. Get into those schools anyway. Mom! You can't even pass your driver's test. Because you wouldn't let me practice The way enough. that you work, or the, or the way that you don't work, you're not even worth state tuition, Christine. My name is Ladybird. Uh, well, actually, it's not, and it's ridiculous. Call me Ladybird like Christine. you said you would. Just, you should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College, and then to jail, and then back to City College, and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. <laughs> mm. there, there's, there's a lot of salt in what she says that I feel like you could have packaged that a little bit differently uh, and maybe you wouldn't have these uh, outbursts. Maybe you wouldn't have this fractured relationship between the mother and daughter, but Lady Bird as a movie only works for me because it is so in my eyes, forgiving of the mother character. And I feel like Greta Gerwig has written this from a place of adulthood as opposed to completely siding with a teenager. And that's why I really, I really like that. I liked her dad. I, anytime the parents are involved, I think this movie deserves all the accolades it gets when it's the teenagers in high school. I don't, I don't know. I'm a little less favorable. Uh, Josh, you're giving me a weird look. People can't uh, see it, but I'm guessing, uh, dear listeners, uh, I've thrown Josh a curveball. He had the bat ready to just really take well, it to me. Because actually, I, I very much agree with you about like the uh, Laurie Metcalf character being like, one of the greatest parts of it. Like I did find myself like, oh, I'm very much in line with what she's saying and in, in, in agreement. And I, I think that's part of why I disliked the movie so much was I was like, oh, stupid hmm. ladybird. Well, that's, uh, yeah, like, that uh, is very strange. You, you know, like, listen to your mother. <laughs> you know, you're, you're an idiot. <laughs> Jared, I guess be a tie-breaking vote here then, because me and Josh like and dislike the movie for the exact same, <laughs> the exact same <laughs> reason. <laughs> well, I kind of came down more on the side of being, and again, this is breaking a bit of a trend because I'm usually the negative one, but I was more on a, a more favorable side of it but i wasn't agreeing with all of the um the accolades and everything that it received i didn't think it was this amazing movie i I didn't think that it was anything like uh, this sort of revelation about a coming of age movie that we've never seen before but i mean however it is technically speaking i thought it was done really well and you know the there's there's pieces of it that everybody can relate to their lives and i think that's part of having a coming of age movie. Yeah. I didn't feel like it was, and I, I saw a lot of the earlier reviews saying, you know, they were playing up the fact that this is 
a look at a, a sort of a teenage girl's uh, life in high school. She's getting ready to leave high school and uh, possibly leave her, her family in her hometown. Uh, I actually didn't, I mean, maybe it's, maybe this would be seen as negative. I actually didn't feel that it was that particular to a teenage girl's experience. I actually saw, even though we grew up in Kentucky, a small town, I, what I really liked about the movie was, even though she's living in Sacramento, uh, which is quite a bit larger than where we come from, I really mm-hmm. liked the sort of small town aspects of it. Like you have this character that's like, oh, I hate this place. Can't wait to get rid of. And what she's really saying, she's, <laughs> she's basically telling her like, dear friend, and it seems like they, they love each other and they're very close. I can't wait to be like away from you. She's not directly saying that, but she's basically saying that there's so little that I care about here uh, that I can't get away. And I, I, I really like the movie that you see these sort of pained expressions on these people that genuinely love her. And they're, they're, they're not saying it because I don't think she's directly slapping them in the face, but it is kind of a slap in the face saying everything you value and have given me like this home, these friendships I have here are so worthless for the unknown for New York city, which she's never been to and knows nothing about. And I guess Josh, that's what I meant when I said, I felt like Greta Gerwig was writing this and directing this from a place of adulthood that it probably was very accurate to how she felt as a 17 year old. But I feel like the way the film ends, it's really warm to like where you come from and like the people that got you to that bigger place. Maybe. And, and you know, I'm, I'm going to be hot and then talking about how much I hate this movie because <laughs> I don't really hate it. I actually thought it was solid. But the thing is, as much like that one guy on Rotten Tomatoes, like it really did chat me that like this movie was being regarded as like the perfect film because I was like, it's solid. It's good. But I don't understand why it's being okay um, revered. Let me play devil's and, advocate there. I guess I don't think it's perfect either. But isn't that just playing into sort of modern movie criticism that we've sort of made up in the last 10 years? Like, you know, when Casablanca came out, there was no Rotten Tomatoes score. Yeah, for it to break. yeah. So it is a bit unfair because it's, it's not just because it's got a hundred percent or nine nine. It's not saying it's better than Citizen Kane. It's just saying this is the everybody system agrees we on use it. now. Yeah, it's kind, it's kind of what we have to work with when we we have created the hop machine of every movie either gets the hop of you have to see it or oh that movie bombed it sucked you know and unfortunately for like somebody like myself. That's all I was hearing was this movie's awesome. You know, it deserves all the accolades. It is a perfect film. And so I'm sitting down and watching like, okay, well, I'm, pre- I'm prepared to be amazed, you know, bring it on. <laughs> and, and then you watch it and you're like, eh, that's, that's a lot like a lot of other films I've seen. It was, and it was adequately made. It was, you know, well-performed. It's, it's, it's fine. But, uh, yeah, I just, I, I, I could not, I had a hard. T- I'll admit, I had a hard time divorcing it from that conversation. Outside Here's where I'll, I'll slightly agree with you. I, I don't want to come into a movie spiteful to be like, "Oh, ninety-nine percent, I'll show you." Like, how dare you <laughs> yeah, try to yeah, make something I, so I, perfect? But I will admit that I'm probably a little, I'm a little bit cynical about it because the movies I tend to really get enthusiastic about probably sit in that like seventy to eighty Rotten Tomato score. I probably find something that I personally like to use a borrow a phrase from Josh, get jacked up about is uh, something that some people right. have really disliked. The ones that is just universally praised. I'm, you know, I'm like Jared. That's like, Oh, maybe that's just very, that's just vanilla. If it, if it yeah. can please everyone, then how passionate can you truly be about it? Cause these things have to yep. feel somewhat personal, mm-hmm. but with Ladybird, I did feel like the hometown aspect really spoke to me where it's, I do feel like, you know, you, you become less angry as you get older, hopefully. I mean, and you, become a little more self-aware and more reflective about people and how you've treated other people as you get older. 
And I agree with what you were saying about all that. I, I do think that there was a lot of thought given behind the other characters in the in the movie. Uh, oh, the to father give it... character is great. I love Tracy yeah. here. I think he's just such a – he has a moment with his son where they're both going out for the same job, like in this computer sort of engineering industry. That I, I feel like the movie is just – That is funny. Yeah. They're, well, they're – they're about decent people. It's like, you yeah. know, it's, it's not like, this is not uh, like Bill Burr was playing the father where he immediately is going <laughs> in and smashing his car. Cause his son's going to take his job from him. Like, you know, he, he realizes this is an awkward situation, but it's like, he still wants his son to do well. You know, he's proud of where his son is. I, I think that, yeah, yeah. I think probably where I saw some of the criticism about the Lori Metcalf character is the only warmth that she gets to exude is in private. And that's yeah. sort of the point of the ending is that she it's just some hard for her to like even when uh, she's taking Ladybird to get like her prom dress, what she's saying is kind of hurtful to her as far as how she looks. But mm-hmm. when you see her on the outside, and I think uh, uh, Ladybird's saying, "I just wish you could like basically just you know say I'm pretty or something." You see like Laurie Metcalf going through like all these emotions on her face as far as trying to figure out the perfect thing to say, and she just doesn't have that skill set. She just doesn't yeah, have that. She yeah. has a problem with that. I think the movie is very favorable to a character that could have easily just been like, oh, that's the, the angry mom that doesn't wants to crush my dreams. I, and it, the film does start off that way with Lady Bird jumping out of the car and her basically saying, <laughs> you're only good enough to go to like community college. And even then you probably need to go to prison before you get your head on straight. <laughs> you open the movie with that and you're like, I'm probably not going to like this woman. But I, I, I think Gerwig does an excellent job with her. I really, and I think it's a shame Laurie Metcalf didn't win the Oscar for this. That was the one Oscar I really wanted for this movie was her winning for that, that uh, performance. It's, it's so odd because I agree with most of what you just said. But my thing is, it's like I didn't even question at the beginning liking Laurie Metcalf's character. <laughs> my problem was like that Ladybird, like her saying, "Like I want you to call me Ladybird." I'm like, get out, get out of the car. You know, I, I was glad she jumped out of the car. My problem yeah, is probably not as warm he, if your version is she. Yeah, <laughs> the mom pulls the car over and drags her daughter out and like beats her on the side of the road. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not ninety nine percent there, Josh. The, the problem, the problem is, and I guess this is just a hang up of mine. Is I have a hard time, at least with this type of movie, when your main character, your lead, is the dislikable character. Uh, I get what you're saying. I'll, I'll take get- a, a small disagreement with that. I think within her family and her best friend, I believe played by Jonah Hill's sister. Hmm, didn't know that. She's really good here. Uh, I forget the character's name, but. Uh, you know, the, the girl that cries with her too, Dave Matthews band crash. Also a thing I really liked about this movie is it's set in 2002. I felt like what it gets right about small towns is that small towns are like five years behind like other <laughs> yeah. places in pop culture. So they would still be listening to crash by Dave Matthews. So that was a great little point, but I think the truly dislikable and despicable characters are the cool kids that she's trying to get in with who are so indifferent to the world and have these uh, strong statements. Uh, Timothy Chalamet plays, like, oh my god! And him saying like I'm, I'm not, you know, <laughs> I'm just trying to not participate in the economy, like in capitalism, so he doesn't buy anything. Except he comes from a wealthy family and has everything provided for him. Jo- that's where I would say Lady Bird, Josh, is redeemable in that she does start to go down that path and she takes a stand for herself on prom night and is like, you know, I actually do actually want to go prom. I don't care if you all think it's corny. I want to hang out with my friend. Up to that point, I would agree with you, Josh, that she's fairly unlikable because she's. She's not like most teenagers. She doesn't have like her own personality fully formed. Yeah. Yeah. She's not, she's not irredeemable. It's just, I don't enjoy spending most of the movie with her though. (laughs) You're like the mom then. Yeah. (laughs) 
It does make that turn in the last 10 or 15 minutes, though, a lot more satisfying seeing her come. You know, I, I was annoyed with her as well. But when she finally like the the click moment for her, I, that's kind of a heartwarming. You and know. it's the Dave Matthews song where they're like they're, they're all talking shit about it. And it's like, shut up. Probably like <laughs> Five years ago, when you were probably 12, you probably loved that song. Like and that's something I think I, I went through it. I don't know about you, but I feel like every teenager you go through where you're too worried about looking cool, even stuff you genuinely enjoy you don't want to embrace it publicly. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know at what age, maybe it's different, I guess, for most people, but at a certain point you lose that bit in the young adulthood and you just say, no, no, this is what I'm about, baby. Like nasty Hellcat. I'm, I, I reside in a gaming chair. This is me. <laughs> I remember you having corn on a lot of your burnt CDs around uh, 15 and 16 years oh, sure. old. <laughs> and you listen, you listen to that stuff now and you're like, boy, it's embarrassing. I'll, it's you know. embarrassing, but I, I think it's, it's more embarrassing to be the person saying I never liked any of that stuff as opposed oh, wow. to just showing here's how my taste develops through years. Here's the movies I like, the music then that's me. The people who are so adamant and so concerned about liking the right things. Now those, those people are truly, and I, you know, maybe those, the characters I hate in this, maybe they don't ever develop that. I, I don't know. I don't, I find the, those characters irredeemable Josh. Cause I don't think they ever truly develop a sense of themselves. Whereas I think lady bird does. And Maybe the one bit of that's unrealistic about it is where it's a two-hour movie. And a, Lady Bird has these big showy moments, like prom night, where it's like she kind of comes to this like, wait a minute, this is not who I am. And in real life, that probably happens very gradually, where you 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 lose those concerns. Thank you, Jared, for throwing me under the bus with corn. You fucker. <laughs> hey, I like Flint Biscuit. Well, I tell you one bandwagon I won't be on to regret 10 or 20 years from now, and that's Timothy Chalamet. Oh, oh man, man, Josh. Uh, you know, he's actually in a, a movie I want to see with Steve Carell, which is probably like the worst yeah, mixture for see, you. I, I do not want to see that movie. Well, I don't even know what it's he's about. He's a vagabond. <laughs> a poor man's Tom Holland. <laughs> you, you I'm said so that, glad he's not you Spider-Man. That, you said that with such sincerity. I'm like, is that what the, the movie Beautiful Boy is about? Is he's a vagabond? I don't understand. <laughs> like I was waiting no. for you to give me more. No, I'm, th- I'm talking about... It, well, Josh, you're you sounding really old here. We all call him Timothy, but I, I was reading on uh, IMDb here. It's supposed to be pronounced Timothy. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. How old is this so kid? He's in How old the is he? Tang. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he's just not yet reached that point. He's a very young I, he actor. Feels Maybe. Like, he feels like that Eddie Redmayne, like just swinging for that uh, Oscar every time he goes for a movie. Like, that's a yeah. low blow, man, because you know how I feel about Eddie Redmayne. I really, really don't like that dude. And... Oh, well, see, we open your eyes. You'll see the similarity. <laughs> So you didn't think he was good here? Because I thought he was he was pretty good for the role he's playing. I just I I, I don't know. I, I just don't like him, so I can't Timote, even. Timote, Timote, Yeah, maybe he just likes the way it sounds, Josh. No, that's that's what he was given at birthright. <laughs> Ignorant mom and dad trying to make him sound all pretentious, and he just <laughs> throws right up into it. He accepts it like a douche. I can't argue with someone who calls themselves Timote. So, Jared, <laughs> let me switch gears. I don't remember what episode it was on. We, uh, I, maybe, I guess it was Damsels in Distress. I made a prediction way back then, months ago, that you were going to like Lady Bird. You were, you were mostly right. I, I thought okay. she did really well. She did a really good job uh, as far as directorial debut. She, you know, she wrote some really good characters, and it, it was all is, it, it was a decent experience. 
Josh, your experience has not changed. It's just been a year. This is not something that's been 20 years to sort of marinate on. So it's a little bit short for the Primus Our Show, but uh, you've not come around to it? Mahe Atimate Asad. I, <laughs> you know, I, I, for, I, I will fully admit that I'm being a bit hyperbolic in the rest of my like, quote unquote hatred of the movie. It, like I said, it's solid. It's fine. I don't like particularly enjoy being with the ladybird character um but i do think greta gerwig proves herself as an adequate adequate writer and director here uh question uh-huh um i don't have an answer here so don't feel like you okay. have to. uh teenage characters on film that you feel are accurate to being teenagers as in they're not like you know adults <sighs> that are just 16 years old that you actually enjoy hanging out with I can't say that I necessarily do have a good example. Oh, I do have an answer. Tell me. I'm a, I'm a pervert. Mm, I don't know what that is. <laughs> no, it just goes back to like when I first was like, oh, I, I like that actress. And uh, Scarlett Johansson in Ghost World, I believe, is the first time I ever yeah. saw her. And I really don't – I mean, I like the movie a lot, but her the main character, uh, Enid, played by Thora Birch, I think it has <laughs> a lot of Lady Bird qualities in that she's really struggling with trying to look cool, who she's going to hang out with, her identity. And I don't think you're meant to like hanging out with her, but her friend is kind of, I guess, maturing at a faster rate as far as getting into the real world, going to college, getting a job, getting an apartment. And I remember really liking seeing that for once on screen with a teenage character. I thought Scarlett Johansson in Ghost World is very likable. Yeah, I, I guess this is this is where I come down at, is that, for like a, a teenager, you know, coming to grips with who they are and what they're growing into is that my, my personal experience as a teenager. Yeah. I mean, we all had different types of awkward stuff we were working through and learning about ourselves. But I cannot relate to a lot of the types of things that some of these top characters well, are supposed to going through. And to be fair, can any one of us relate to speaking to I could not have spoken to my mom or dad with these conversations. Oh, my no, my no. dad no. probably wouldn't have been anything physical. My mom would have had no qualms about putting hands on me <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. slapping me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and my uh, poor brother, Jeffrey, who doesn't listen to this, uh, probably still <laughs> has felt the holiday wrath of him sassing her. I think that's probably a big <laughs> difference <laughs> that all three of us knowing our backgrounds, that's a jump for us. that just doesn't apply. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not expecting a teenager character in a movie to be like a perfect lovable character that has no issues that they're working through it's just sometimes especially in a case like this they kind of burden them with all the tropes of like coming mm. coming to yeah. age and and it's like it just burns me out i'm like i just you're 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 impossible i can't i can't handle <laughs> <laughs> i can't so, handle this are you coming down on the side of what you said earlier where like something like bad mom's christmas which has relatable issues but has that cartoonish distance you prefer to 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 this and yeah because because at least then it's like the the heightened part of it is intentional and you're more and it's played more for like to pull out the you know laughter humor and you find the nugget of truth in it whereas this is playing it's like oh this is real life baby and i'm like no no it's not uh, <laughs> that i mean not not to that degree at least not anybody i've known i'm not saying I'm not saying that these um, experiences aren't valid or that people haven't dealt with them, but it just in, in my life, I can't say it's very relatable to me. And it's just kind of like, like I keep saying it, it. I do not enjoy my time with that character because of it. So 
it's just it's it's kind of hard for me to process. And maybe it's just a personal thing. Maybe that's something movie's fault. Maybe that's just how I relate to it. Let's go to the Timote of our high school experience. Oh. Nasty Hellcat. <laughs> what would you like to know? What's your question? <laughs> that's a <laughs> <laughs> going on record with you i could go so many different ways with that i'm gonna keep it to the movies <laughs> which which preference do you have uh between these two as far as looking at i guess what could be some uncomfortable family infighting for two hours um i probably still <clears throat> lay down on the side of uh lady bird um just because you know it's tim O'Tay, you don't i knew it <laughs> you you don't you know, you can see a lot of the same mistakes that, you know, not the exact same mistakes, but I mean, you know, just being ungrateful for something or, you know, being a little bit of a asshole kid to your parents at some point and you see them actually make that turn and, you know, you want, you want to feel like you've done that yourself, which I, you know, I appreciate my family a lot more than I used to. And I appreciate where I'm from and the things that they have, you know, allowed me to get ahead in life. So yeah, I just, it's, it, it's just a, a decent, relatable experience. I, I will admit, when I first watched this, I watched this with my wife and my sister and her husband. And I was, I think, the only one that was like, even as soon as the credits rolled, it was like, I really liked that. Like, I, that, that actually, I was actually surprised. I was like, yeah, that's, this is one of my favorite movies this year, Lady Bird. And my sister and my wife both liked it to a certain extent, but they, they were kind of siding more with... Josh, your premise as far as like, yeah, that was, I don't know. It's a bit much for what it is. Like, you know, it's a nice movie, but they, they, they were not thinking like, I remember my sister saying, like, I don't see that as like an Oscar type movie. Like that's not a best picture nominee, which ended up being, but she, she thought it was oversold. Um, I like both of these movies. I enjoyed for this podcast, having seen both, uh, I was like, okay, this is going to be pleasant for me. I knew it wasn't going to be somewhat unpleasant for Josh, which just made it even more pleasant for me. Because mm. I really thought you were going to hate Bad Mom's Christmas, too. I'm like, oh. Oh, he's in for a rough weekend with this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like Bad Mom's Christmas. Uh, I think, other than the montages, which I really don't like, looking at both these two thematically, I think the thing that I like uh, the least about it is that for a film about that family dynamic as far as like why can't we all just get along like these are obviously characters that love each other so what's the disconnect is with it being in that pure comedy realm it sort of makes a mistake for me of assuming that every character is going to have the same lesson that they all learn at the same time which just appears to be like hey can we just bring this down a notch and sort of simplify what this holiday is supposed to be which is spending time together like mm -hmm. you have one you know one mom christine bransky that really wants to be perfect and she's like really overdoing it as far as like gifts she's lavishing on this family and these parties she's throwing i feel like what i love about ladybird in comparison is that you have the mom that wants what's best for her daughter and you even have a daughter that like wants to have a more friendly warm relationship with her mom but they're not going to learn that lesson at the same time because they're at two very different points in their lives. Like, you know, if I had watched Lady Bird as a teenager, I think I would have had the opposite effect where I would have hated the mom character. And I've been like, why do we have to spend so much time with our family? Like, let's just see Lady Bird and Timote and all their hijinks they get into. <laughs> but seeing it now, and I think, so for me, it's just, it's, it is more relatable because people an adult is going to have a different reaction than a 17 year old girl. And I feel like bad mom's Christmas, <laughs> the kid, the stripper, Catherine Hahn, <laughs> Sarandon, a truck driver, whoever they run into, they're all like, like the end of a sitcom or a Charlie Brown Christmas. They all sing along and learn it at the same time together. And I'm like, eh, that's not, 
that's not really a good holiday lesson. It's fun, but it's sort of throwaway. And that's all it really aspired to be. But Lady Bird is something, Josh, sorry, that I probably will go back to and watch it just because I really, I really love Laurie Metcalf's character so much. I, <laughs> yeah. I just think she's awesome. I mean, I agree with that part of it, but it's not enough to keep and the friend back. And a port, let me, I need to look up her name. Jonah Hill's sister as the best friend, I think is really cool. And probably honestly is a more likable Beanie. Do you like this name, Josh? Beanie Feldstein? Uh, I do like that name. Beanie like works for you. Timothee does not. <laughs> there, You know what? There is a teenage Josh that would have loved to have been friends with a guy in high school named Timothee. I know there is. Oh. What has happened to that guy? What has happened to you? Oh, I would have liked it for all the wrong reasons, my friend. <laughs> I, I mean, could you imagine? I think there's only wrong reasons to like hanging out with a guy named Timothee. I don't yeah, think there's, there are right I'm reasons. Saying. I'm just saying, it's not like I would be like, dude, that's a really cool name. No. <laughs> <laughs> Jared how's that penis tattoo coming along that we've told you is really cool <sighs> we regret a lot of things Lady Bird we regret a lot of things <laughs> <laughs> I think that'll uh, that'll do it for this one and um, we've got more Christmas coming up and I predicted uh, episodes ago I'm going to hold to that prediction we have Love the Coopers was followed up Bad Mom's Christmas uh, on our schedule as the box oh. office hit Love the Coopers has Timothy in it. Why? It does. Why? <laughs> I would like I would like to play the Emperor Palpatine card that I planned that, but I had no idea that you had this hidden hatred. I didn't even know this kid's name was pronounced this. So this is just this is a Christmas miracle right here that you are going into week two of Timothy Chalamet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and he has a much more much more prominent part in this one. And, uh, I've already watched this for this episode, but I may have to go back and watch again because I have to take notes on all of his scenes now, knowing that that's all you're going to talk about. Uh, myself, it's more Amanda Seyfried. So we've got that coming up in uh, James White, which I'm predicting Jared will love. So we're going to have Josh hate and Jared love, and I think that's the right recipe for this show. Mm. Timothy Chalamet, 18 years Timothy, very nice to meet you. Timothy. 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 Hey, my name is Timothy Chalamet. Timothy. Timothy. Chalamet. It's supposed to be Timothy. Timothy. Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. It's supposed to be Timothy. Timothy Chalamet. 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 Timothy